to look for uh, when you're visiting your parents or an aging loved one. Look at their demeanor. How are they dressed? Does their personal care seem to be getting worse? How are they eating nutritionally? That's another sign that things aren't, aren't going well. The condition of their home, are things piling up? Is this a person that was normally neat and all of a sudden the house is in disarray? Are they recognizing you? Are they showing any signs of memory? Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Hi there. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show today. For my new listeners, we don't talk about money or investments, but we talk about all the other things that you're going to need to know when you retire. Things like social and family matters, adventure and travel, volunteer and philanthropy, spirit and soul, sandwich generation issues, and yes, we talk about sex sometimes. So today, we are going to talk with an acclaimed author about a very important subject, caring for your parents. For some of us, that will mean in-laws. It's such an important subject because most of us are going to be faced with it in our retirement years, and the stress of it can affect your health and your other relationships. Our guest lived it, and she wrote a book about it. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Iris Weichler has been a well-known patient advocate and licensed clinical social worker for the last 40 years. She has worked with patients and families who have experienced catastrophic illnesses like strokes, cancer, amputation, and head injuries. She also worked with people battling infertility. Ms. Weichler is an author, a Mom's Choice Gold Award winner, winner of the NAPPA Gold Award for the Best Book of the Year, and winner of the finalist award for Forward Magazine 2007 Nonfiction Book of the Year. Her newest book, Role Reversal, Taking Care of Yourself and Your Aging Parents, arrived on the bookshelves in August of 2016. Iris, I am so excited that you're coming on the show today. Welcome. It's a real pleasure to be here with you, Kathy. Well, I'm so glad that you came on to the show because this is such an important subject. I hear this from my listeners over and over again, that they need help with their parents. So what made you want to write this book? It was a combination of things. And and you're so right. There are 70 million people right now that are in the role of being a caregiver. Part of it was my experience, which you outlined. I've been working with people and their families for many years as a licensed clinical social worker, but there's also a very personal piece for me. My father, um, who died two years ago, he was 97 at the time. He was very healthy all the way up to 90. Uh, He had an incident, a medical problem then, and then he, he resolved it and was perfectly healthy till 96. And then all of a sudden he caught pneumonia and in three months he died. So I've been very involved in his care Um, We had a really great relationship, so I lived it with him personally, and also I I lost my mother. She was very young. She was 57. She died of of cancer, and I was involved in taking care of her, so I I really thought it was important to combine 
my personal experience because I think as a reader, you want to read a book written by someone who's lived it, experienced it, and knows it, and my professional expertise, and I thought that would be a powerful combination to help people who are going through it so they would feel less alone. I'm a great believer in in education. If people know what questions to ask, then they can know what to do. That helps them feel empowered, and it helps them feel uh, less alone and less helpless. Oh, well, that is great. Great. And I'm sorry to hear about your dad. Iris, what was he like when he was alive? He was an incredible guy. I was so lucky to have him as a dad. He had a great sense of humor. He was uh, a very hardworking person, a very loving man. And as I wrote the book, one of the things I discovered about him that I didn't really think about was he's been a caregiver his whole life. As a child, he took care of his brothers. He came from uh, parents that um, were not physically abusive, but were emotionally abusive. And I think that experience uh, really shaped him. And he had decided at a young age when he was going to have his own family that he was going to be as loving a parent as he could. He was uh, a patriot. He was uh, in World War II for four years and served And when he survived World War II, he came out, and he's told me this many times. He said, I believe that I came out of this alive with a purpose, and that my purpose was to create a family and contribute to them and and help them be the best people that they could be. How special. I mean, that's that's really amazing. Did he change at all when, you know, after he turned to 90? He... (laughs) He was a very physically active man, and he exercised all of his life. He was a very independent guy. He never asked for help unless he needed it. He had a wonderful sense of humor, and that stayed with him when he was 90. What happened when he was 90 is I noticed that his memory was a little off. His balance was a little off. I just noticed some things that concerned me, and I asked him if we could go visit the doctor. He trusted me. He said, sure. We were at the doctor's office. The doctor started asking him questions, and I noticed his answers were not right. And uh, the doctor asked him to take off his shirt to check his blood pressure. And when he took off his shirt, he was wearing two watches, one on his wrist and one by his elbow. Oh, my gosh. And when I asked, I know, and I said to him, why are you wearing two watches? And he laughed and he said, I'm so glad we came here. I've been looking for that watch for three weeks. <laughs> oh, no. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. And my, the doctor and I looked at each other and we knew, as funny as it was, we knew this was something serious going on. And the doctor told me to take him to the hospital right away. Oh. We went to the emergency room. We had an immediate MRI and they determined that he had a hemorrhage in his brain. Oh, my God. So we went. We went right from that MRI uh, into the intensive care unit, and he had surgery, and the surgery was uh, a complete success. But I have to tell you, when I was talking to the neurosurgeon about whether or not he should do the surgery, the neurosurgeon said to me, uh, you know, I normally don't do surgeries on someone who's 90, and my response was, you haven't met my father yet. (laughs) And uh, I went in to talk to my dad because it was really his decision about whether to undergo such a serious procedure. And I said to him, what do you think? I told him the pros and cons that the doctor had discussed, and my dad laughed. He said, I I survived that bullet in World War II and everything else has been gravy. Let's go for it. 
and we did and he uh he did really well in the in the six six and a half years following the surgery he did fine as he got older there was a little bit of change in his his ability to walk and move around and i did definitely notice the memory issues and uh decline there and as what so often happens with elderly people i also noticed some changes he he had some uh some auditory hallucinations where and this is not unusual for someone who's aging it's called sundowner syndrome and it's called that because when the sun goes down sometimes people that are older will see things like shadows or hear things and accredit that to something else. So in my father's case, when I went to visit him, he would tell me about the wonderful cantor who lived in his building and how beautiful his songs were when he sang. I called the doctor and I said, should I be worried about this? And the doctor said to me, well, is the, is the singing good or bad? <laughs> and I said, apparently he's a very good singer. <laughs> and the doctor said, well, let's, let's not do anything to change that. And it's a harmless harmless kind of thing and it's not hurting anyone and your father's enjoying the music so let's continue <laughs> without doing any kind of intervention and we did and I visit my dad and he'd say you hear the singing and I'd smile and say no but tell me about it and my dad would say oh it's beautiful he's he's preparing for his next service and so oh, I love it we just went along we just went along with that <laughs> oh that that is that is so cool you know I went to a talk, uh, I think it was last year, about, it was called the ABCs of Dementia. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ABCs of Alzheimer's, I think is what it was actually called. And so I grabbed some of that information from the talk and, and turned it into a uh, a little PDF for my listeners. <laughs> and one of the things... Oh, that, that's great. Yeah, yeah. One, one of the things that it talks about is letting people with dementia be, you know, for certain things. If it's not, yeah, it's not life threatening, just leave it be. It's so, so important. That's such great advice because what happens is, you know, your, your aging loved one will say something that you know is wrong. Like they'll say, oh, I went to, I went on a trip to Italy or I, your daughter, your sister visited me today. And our inclination, of course, is to correct them and to orient them and to, you know, make sure that they're on track. And what happens is with someone with dementia, that's real to them. And there's nothing you can say or do that's going to change it. And all that results in that intervention when you're trying to correct them is they dig in deeper, you get frustrated, and it becomes an argument and nothing good comes from it. And so that's really good advice. Yeah. The good news is they forget about it the next day. <laughs> that, that's often the case. And But, you know, that that's a really good point. But also... Uh, the other side of that, as a caregiver, you don't forget it. Exactly. And some of those situations accumulate. And one of the one of the most stressful things about being a caregiver is you find yourself in these situations where you want to intervene, and what you feel is doing the right thing may not be received that way by the person you're caring for, and that can result in so much frustration and anger that. Maybe the caregiver internalizes and it comes out in ways and at times that you don't want it to. And so that's a real cautionary tale. Absolutely. Absolutely. So did you have to make any changes to your life to accommodate your dad's situation? I did. I was very lucky in the sense that my sister lives here. And I also have a brother and sister that are out of town. 
but were very close and they were agreeable to being a part of it. So I, I was very involved. My dad was in the hospital multiple times. So I was there for all of that. It got to the point where when I walked into the emergency room, because my dad was readmitted about five times, mm. I felt like Norm, Norm going into cheers. Everyone would say Iris as I walked <laughs> in the door. <laughs> and I knew with all the staff there, he had a, a catheter and, and he, he just, because his orientation got worse and worse and he got more confused, he, he would pull it out and <sighs> then he did that. We'd have to return to the ER and, and also he, he took some falls. So I was very involved in that. I also was very involved. We wanted him to be at home because that was his wish. And we wanted to make sure and give him every opportunity to have everything that he wanted. So we hired some caregivers to be a part of it. And we went there and I I interviewed them and visited often to see how that was going. When um, the caregivers that we hired didn't work out because he needed pretty much 24-hour help as he be, he deteriorated. Um, then I was at the hospital a lot. I was visiting the nursing facility a lot that he was at. And then my my siblings and I took turns being involved in his care. Mm, yeah, that's tough. You know, it's really tough for a child to make those decisions about where a parent should live. But sometimes it's just not feasible for them to live at home. You know, it's not safe right. and baby boomers are in the sandwich generation. They still have kids at home. Absolutely right. That's the hugest, the hugest problem. It's sort of interesting, maybe not surprising, but uh, um, the largest percent percentage of caregivers in these situations where it's a parent or a, uh, an in-law are women. And that's about 60% of that 70 million that I talked to you about. And what's also interesting is the average age of those caregivers is 69. So most of these people are that sandwich generation you're talking about where it's someone that's got a kid and also taking care of a parent at the same time. And as you know, it's such a huge responsibility and it's such a juggling act and it can feel so overwhelming. And also to your point about knowing when to leave home or not, one of the tricky aspects of this is oftentimes when people are declining physically and mentally, they're not able to make realistic assessments about their ability to function and their safety and what they can and cannot do. And that complicates the situation all the more. So you were able to find out it was time to really start looking when your dad was wearing two watches. What are some things that I could look out for? What are some things that other people could look out for that, you know, not everybody's going to be lucky enough to be at the doctor's office when this happens? Very good question. Things to look for are when you're visiting your parents or whoever, an aging an aging loved one, look at their demeanor. How are they dressed? Does their personal care seem to be getting worse? How are they eating nutritionally? That's another sign that things aren't, aren't going well. The condition of their home, uh, are things piling up? Is this a person that was normally neat and all of a sudden the house is in disarray? Are they recognizing you? Are they showing any signs of memory? One of the signals for me with my dad was I noticed his balance was off. I noticed his memory was off. I noticed that his walking was getting worse. So physical kinds of symptoms is another thing. I would also look at 
changes in their behavior. If normally they went out a lot, they socialized a lot, and they're not doing those things, that can mean something. Changes in uh, their emotional status. Are they becoming more depressed? Are they becoming more withdrawn? Those kinds of things should kind of turn on a red light to say, is there something going on here? Also, other things like, you know, one of the big issues is driving and taking away the car keys. There are things going on to the car where you notice scratches or dents or things that normally shouldn't be there. I certainly would, would think about that and take that as a signal to, to further assess what's going on. A lot of my listeners already know that my dad has Parkinson's disease. Uh, you know, I slowly watched him decline. He doesn't live anywhere near me. He used to live in Alaska, and now he lives in Florida, and I live in California. But I would go visit him, and he would still be driving. And he's known he's had Parkinson's for a long time, and it's actually just starting to progress to where I get sad when I see him. Anyway, he was still driving, and my dad had this condition where he shuts his eyes. So forget the Parkinson's. That's not a good combination. Yeah, Uh, I know. And he would physically have to take his fingers and open his eyes. And, um, and I, I just couldn't believe that he was still driving. And this was such a difficult conversation. I mean, every time I saw him, I would talk to him and, and my stepmother about, When are you going to stop driving? And he finally stopped driving, but I personally think it was at least a year later than he should have. So how do you have that conversation? What do you think got him to stop driving? I'm just curious about that. You know, I don't know, but I suspect he probably hit something would be my guess. Yeah. Well, I think that's a real problem for a lot of people. And one of the things that you can do sometimes they don't want to hear it from from their adult children. And so one of the things you can do is use other people in their lives that they may have a different relationship with, but might be more opening to hearing that sort of advice. So contacting the doctor and having a conversation with the doctor about having a conversation with them. Or if someone, for example, if someone's close to their priest or they have a dear friend that they trust, trying to get the friend or another identified person to have that conversation, to open that door. Sometimes they're more willing to hear it from them than they are from your adult child. A lot of what happens in those interactions when you have those conversations with your mom or dad or in-law is influenced by your past relationship and sort of the baggage you bring with that. And so they may or may not be open to having that conversation with you. Well, you know what's scary? He he was cleared to drive by his neurologist. I just was going to say that I had I had a similar situation with my dad. I I took him to renew his driving license, and he's at the driving place, and he's got his head in the little window where he's supposed to signal when he sees the little flashing arrows in the corner, and he's not seeing anything. And my dad was hard of hearing, so I said to the driving guy, "Don't pass him. He's not safe to drive." And my dad's still looking for the arrow, and I'm talking to the driving guy. And and finally, my dad at that moment sees the arrow, and the driving guy passed him. <sighs> I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. And and so it was shortly after that, you know, I, I was going to have the conversation with my dad, and God bless him. He came to me, and he handed me his car keys, and he said, you know what? 
I've given this a lot of thought and I don't think it's safe for me to drive. And one of the issues for him, and this is a good thing to say, he said to me, would you be willing to drive me if I needed to go somewhere? He said, if you are, I'll give you my keys right now. And I said, absolutely. And that's something you can do too, is in introducing that conversation when you're talking about maybe ending the driving, talk about alternatives, other ways that transportation can be available to them. So they don't feel like they're isolated. Yeah. And today it's so easy with Uber. I mean, right? Yep. oh my gosh. Now I don't know if the only way to get to Uber is on a phone app. So if that's the only way, it's probably not going to work. But there's lots of other transportation things. For example, sometimes to go to like adult senior programs, they offer tra- free transportation. And when people are in um, daily living centers and other kinds of places, oftentimes when they're senior-based housing, mm-hmm. they automatically offer transportation and it's free and they do really fun outings. They go to concerts, they go to the grocery store, they go to places where people need to go. And so there are those options that are out there. It's just sometimes you're not aware of it. And for for seniors, that, that driving thing is so huge because that car it symbolizes more than transportation. Oh, yeah. For them, it symbolizes oh, yeah. their independence. And and letting go of that is so hard. And it's also an admission for them, I'm not able to take care of myself anymore in the way that I used to. And so those kinds of things sometimes need to be acknowledged and talked about. And expressing your understanding that you know that this is a tough thing can really help move the needle in the direction of safety and the way you want it exactly. to go. I have a whole chapter in my book about this, but another thing you can do if if, if you're brave enough is to actually go on a ride with your parents <laughs> to kind of see see what's going on and get a sense of it. And if you do observe things that are not safe, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it at that moment when you're in the car, but use that as a frame of reference when you are ready to bring up that conversation. It's so uncomfortable, though. It's so uncomfortable. How do you do it? Well, the alternative, and when you when you bring it up, you say, you know, I noticed, Dad, when we were driving today, there was a stop sign, and it it was uh, a place where there was a school, and we didn't stop, and it got me to thinking, I'm just wondering, how would you feel, how would it be for you if you had an accident and you hit a child, mm-hmm. or, you know, you you bring up scenarios like that to sort of stir the pot and get them thinking, and, um, you know, say something like, my gosh, I would never, ever want to see you in a situation where an accident happened and someone was hurt or worse. I know how that would be for you. And I know how horrible that would be. What kind of things can we, we do to, to prevent that from happening? So you kind of drop a little breadcrumbs and get them thinking about it. You talk about it in a way where it's loving for them. I know this is a really hard thing for you to think about. It's a really hard thing for me to bring up. But I love you. I, I I care about you. I want to do everything I can to help make sure that you're safe. And I think that's something that you feel too. Can we talk about it? So you bring it up like that. You're not saying you're an insane driver. You're doing <laughs> things that are unsafe. You you know you you bring it up in a framework where you're it's a place of love. It's a place of concern. There's an observation. In your situation where you described your dad, where you said, you know, his, he closes his eyes, that's a perfect example. You can say to him, 
I noticed when we were driving that you closed your eyes for a couple of seconds. And I know that that's a part of your Parkinson's and that's something that you live with day to day. I'm wondering how you think that affects your driving. One of the things that I'm concerned about is what happens when your eyes are closed for a couple of seconds. Is that something you've thought about before? Something like that. Where you reference what you see. Yeah. Why don't you think that my stepmother put a stop to it? A couple of things. One is her acknowledging that it's an issue is also means that she has to acknowledge that his health is declining in some way. Secondly, it might be uh, in relation to their role, maybe in their relationship, in their role, that's something that he does. And her role is not to sort of question his choices, his decisions. It might be that she doesn't want to be the one to drive, that she relies on him from driving. There can be a whole host of reasons why people are reluctant to to um, pursue a, a you know a conversation about this. And the other piece of it is what you described. These are really hard conversations to have, no matter who you are and what your relationship is. And for many people, they're very reluctant to take that first step because they're afraid of where it's going to lead. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that that has just been such an eye-opener. So thank you, because driving is really a key issue in dealing with your parents and in-laws. Oh, yeah. So you've gone through all of this. What do you wish you would have known, like if there was one thing that you wish you would have known before you embarked on this journey with your dad, what would that have been? Again, I'm was incredibly lucky in that my dad trusted me and so he did a lot of things in advance uh, advanced directives like I knew where his will was I knew about his insurance I knew about what his wishes were when he became sick what he wanted me to do and not do there were a couple of things that I wish I would have known more about but I think this is one of the biggest mistakes and one of the biggest things that become challenges for caregivers is that these things are not in place or these discussions are not held for precisely the reason that you mentioned earlier. It's really hard to initiate a conversation where you say, can we talk about what happens when you get sick? Can we talk about what's going to happen when you die? And that is the greatest gift that a parent can give to have things in place, things like a will, things like a power of attorney so that if you need to make health care decisions for them, if they're unable, you're able to do that. Uh, it's hugely, very, very important. Also, knowing where all of these documents are is very important. That's another thing people don't do is they they have things in place and they don't tell you their adult children where they are and all of a sudden you find yourself in the emergency room and the doctor, like my father's doctor said to me, should we have the surgery or not? And you don't, you don't have the ability to answer those questions and you're not able to make decisions that are really life and death or really key. Knowing where that insurance information is, being able to get into the safe deposit box to get those things so that your name is on the box. All of these things, they're advanced directives. It's so important to be proactive about that. And that's probably the number one mistake that is made is that those things are not in place. uh, And it makes such a difference for you as a caregiver to make sure they are. I call them the roadmap. 
And also people's situations change and periodically it needs to be revisited so that you know that everything that's in place is current, is accurate, and it's going to give you the tools you, you need to uh, help take care of your parent in the, in the most effective ways. And I'm assuming that all of this is in your book as well, right? Yeah, I, it's a huge part of my book. I also interviewed uh, an expert who helps people uh, putting these documents in place and, and what, what questions to ask. And his advice is in my book as well. Uh, as I said, I was very lucky when you asked me what I wish I would have known. Um, I, I guess the thing I would say, I, I have to tell you, is normally I'm, I was always in town or my sister was in town. And it was my 60th birthday and we went on a trip together and my sister and I were out of town at the same time. And wouldn't you know it, that's when my father got very seriously ill. And I, I wish <laughs> I wish I would have known that, uh, you know, his health was going to take a turn for the worst. I wouldn't have made that trip. My uh, my husband and my niece had to step up uh, while we were gone so um, they could just uh, continue to sort of be there for him until I could return. So I guess that's another thing I would say, having um, an alternative person in place to help cover things for you if for some reason you're not here when a health health crisis uh, takes place, identifying who and what is going to be helping in, in your stead is also really important. That's one of the things I think that you put on today's freebie, the five things you need to know about caregiving for your aging parents. One of those was identify who will be on your caregiver team. So having that backup plan is probably part of that team, right? Right. And the number one thing I put on that list is be proactive. And that's that's the message I want to give your listeners is to begin these conversations about illness and aging and, and, and dying when your loved one is is healthy, is alert, can have an intelligent conversation, it's usually usually important because you don't want to wait until someone's had a stroke or isn't conscious or isn't able to think clearly to make these life-saving, life-changing decisions. Absolutely. And it's really important for it to have a collaborative kind of component if that's the relationship that you have. And there are people that don't have good relationships with their parents. And as a potential caregiver, you need to consider that as well. Maybe you are not the person to be their caregiver. Maybe someone else needs to be considered, be it another family member, a friend, another relative, or uh, having someone with some professional experience, healthcare experience, come in and and help them in ways that is needed. Right. There are people called care managers that you can hire to help with some of those activities. Right. They're called geriatric care managers, and they specialize in uh, all the issues that we're talking about. They're sort of like the coach of a football team. Right. They come in, they take a look at the players who's involved, family members and and, the senior and they put together a game plan. They they help you identify who's there. They help you identify what needs to be done. They help identify local resources where you are and, and put it all together for you. In my book, I also have um, uh, a chapter on resources. And um, I, there's a site, a uh, national geriatric care manager site where wherever you are, you can uh, Google that and put in where, what your location is and identify people locally in your area to help. 
Awesome. Yeah, I wanted to thank you for putting together that freebie for my for my listeners. And for listeners, that freebie is the five things you need to know about caregiving for your aging parents. And you can find it at rockyourretirement.com slash parents. Iris, do you want to give out your information so people can find you and your book? Yeah, absolutely. Again, my book is called Role Reversal, How to Take Care of Yourself and Your Aging Parents. You can get it at Amazon. You can get it at Barnes & Noble online. And you can also get it in your local bookstores. So just go in. And if they don't have it, you can ask. I also have a website called Iris Weichler. That's I-R-I-S-W-A-I-C-H-L-E-R dot W-P-Engine, E-N-G-I-N-E dot com. That's irisweichler.wpengine.com. We'll, we'll have that in the show notes, too, if people are in their cars and they can't jot that down. Okay. I did want to say one other thing, Kathy. I also do a Facebook page. Oh, okay. And every day on that Facebook page, I, I put articles and information about caregiving and aging and all the issues we're talking about so that if people want to um, get information and and have questions and just want to know resource information. I try to put as much on there as I can. And that can be found at Iris Weichler, MSW, LCSW at Role Reversal, number one. That's on Facebook. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Okay, good. Okay. Thank you. And you know, it is so helpful what you're doing for the baby boomers out there. I mean, as you know, People are getting older and older and they're living longer and longer. I mean, people are living to be 100 now. It's no longer a, you know, an anomaly when you see somebody who's 100. Just in my church, I've got someone who's 103, at least one person. It's amazing. Every day on the street, you know, just when I meet people or just in conversation with my friends, this comes up over and over and over again. That's one of the reasons I wrote the book. There are more and more people that are faced with this all the time. But the good news is that there's more information out there. As you said, people are living longer. That's because we have better health care. The medications are better, so they do help us live longer. But the downside of that, of course, is people are living longer with uh, increasing health concerns and issues that need to be addressed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kathy, I just wanted to thank you for having me on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation. And I really appreciated you giving me the chance to to talk to you about my work and my book. I did too. You were a great guest. My pleasure. Thanks again for coming on the show. And for the listeners, you can get the show notes and all of the information that Iris listed, her Facebook page, her website, where to get her book, etc., the name of it. You can get that on the show notes. And then if you want the freebie, the five things you need to know about caregiving for your aging parents, just go to rockyourretirement.com slash parents. And we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Hi, this is Kathy. 
When I'm not hosting Rock Your Retirement, I'm helping people with their Medicare insurance. One of the times you need to check your Medicare insurance is when you've moved. To get my free guide, Five Things You Need to Know About Medicare When You Are Moving, just go to medicarequick.com slash move. And in the meantime, listen to these cool disclosures. Neither Medicare Quick nor its agents is connected with the federal Medicare program. Medical insurance licensed in the states of California, Florida, Nevada, and Texas, and Medicare Advantage and Prescription Drug Plan service areas vary. California Insurance License 0797566. Oh, wait. I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August, actually August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, Subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, Actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, We actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. 
whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is, or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.